Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that the message that you are about to hear not only encourages you, but helps you follow Jesus like never before. If you feel blessed by this teaching, I wanna challenge you to do two things. First of all, share this with someone that you know needs to hear this. And second of all, I want you to consider giving back to the ministry so that other people that just like you could also grow in their relationship with Christ. To do so, simply go to cfmiami.org slash give, and there you can follow the instructions, all right? Thank you so much. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. I love that song. Lord, there's no one better than you. You turn graves into gardens. You turn mourning into great joy. Folks, that's exactly what we're gonna be talking about today as we continue this series that we've entitled Advent, which means the comings of the Lord Jesus. Pastor Omar's been leading us in a series, this series, and man, oh man, has he ever been bringing a powerful word from God, and we love that. And by the way, I've already heard his message, read his message for next week. It's gonna be so powerful. It's gonna change people's lives forever. And some people can get saved if, if we get them here. Amen? So do all that you can, yeah, to get people here next weekend to hear this powerful message from God's Word. Well, I want to begin today by reading the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, a passage that you're very familiar with. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it'll come up on the screen. You can follow with us that way. The Bible says this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Watch this. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. By the way, every time somebody in the Bible sees an angel, they're freaked out by it. Why? Because it's a trip into the supernatural world. But watch what the angel says. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Boy, we could use some good news these days. Amen. Some good news. I bring you good news that will cause, that will cause what kind of joy? What kind of joy? Yeah, great joy. Everybody say great joy. Everybody say great joy. Yeah, that's what Christmas is all about. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Hey, you can grab a seat and um, I'm going to set things up by, by sharing this with you. One of my son-in-laws, Bobby, um, seems to just be fascinated with Christmas lights, especially Christmas lights outside his house. By the way, Bobby's married to my daughter, Rebecca. They live in uh, Cutler Bay. But folks, if you go by their house these Christmas nights, it looks like an airport runway out there. Oh, yeah, there are lights everywhere. There are lights in the trees. There's lights on the grass. There's lights on top of the house. There's lights on the flagpole, and I love it. Now, one of the Christmas decorations that I really enjoy these days are the inflatable Christmas characters. Yeah, this is a shepherd, an inflatable shepherd from the manger, the manger story. Now, mind you, back in our day when Rebecca was a little girl, we had inflatable Christmas characters too. But the difference was you had to pump them 
up in order to fill them. In other words, to fill them up, you had to pump them up. And so we do that, and then we would secure them just like they do today by tying them down with strings. And listen, listen, for a while, for the while, the Christmas inflatable would stand tall and would look happy. And it's because the inflatable was filled with air. But folks, check this out. Often by, by morning, bear with me, I have to, have to practice with you guys on Saturday night sometimes. By, by Christmas morning, there he goes. <laughs> by Christmas morning, the inflatable would be deflated, yes. And when you got up, it would be flat out in the grass. And folks, here's why, here's why. It's because they leaked. And no matter how much you pump them up, during the night, for whatever reason, they would leak, and the Christmas character would eventually deflate, and then when you got up in the morning, the Christmas character would be flat out on his face in the grass, and you had to pump him up every day before nighttime. He'd deflate, you had to pump him back up, pump him back up. Now, folks, what an image. I want you to think about this. What an image of human joy. What an image of your joy and my joy. You see, there's something in us that loves to be filled with joy, don't we? We love to be joyful. In fact, joy is probably the most delightful human emotion. It puts a smile on our face. We can't get enough of it. But here's the problem with human joy. Human joy leaks. It leaks. In other words, just like that, 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 that Christmas character leaks and then deflates and, and then ends up flat on his face on the ground every morning, just like that, human joy leaks. And no matter what we do to contain it, it seems like it just continues to leak out. Our joy then leaks. We become emotionally deflated. And sometimes, sometimes we end up flat out depressed. And who knows, maybe, maybe as you're listening to it, you would, you're thinking, yeah, that's a description of my joy. I can't seem to contain joy. I can't seem to sustain it. It just seems to leak out. Well, folks, here's what we need to know about, about joy. Nothing deflates our joy any faster than incessant bad news. And I don't have to tell you, it seems like these days there's no news but bad news, right? I mean, every day it's like we get carpet bombed from the media with bad news. You know, there's pandemic, bad news. There's political, bad news. There's economic, bad news every day. There's bad news about our country. You know, there's social bad news. There's racial bad news. There's moral bad news. There's spiritual bad news. There's conspiratorial bad news out there. And folks, you take all of the bad news from the press and dump it on top of our already personal bad news that we get, it is enough to deflate us and cause us to vent out our joy. And I got to tell you, I meet so many people today, and especially over the past few years, who are emotionally deflated and some of them are flat out depressed. And I got to tell you, I get it. 
I get it. Tell you what, hold that thought back to the inflatable. Because somebody figured out a way to inflate them and to keep them inflated. The solution was a non-stop fan in the back of it, a non-stop blower in the back of it. The non-stop blower not only fills the shepherd up, but constantly keeps it filled. And even if it leaks, and if I push the button, it'll start leaking again. Even if it leaks, the nonstop blower will constantly refill it with air, restore it, and renew it so that it continues to stand tall. Now, folks, let me turn a corner and bring all of that over to Christmas. Because what a picture of what the Christmas message from Luke chapter 2 can do for you and me. And by that, I mean just like the nonstop blower in the back of this shepherd not only fills the shepherd with air, but will continually fill it with air so that it'll remain standing even if it leaks its, its air. Listen, just like that, and this is my proposition, the message from the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, can not only fill us with joy, but it has the power to continue to keep us filled with joy. And even when our joy leaks with all of the bad news, the message of the Christmas story can renew us, it can refill us, and it can restore our joy. And let me tell you this, the joy of the Christmas message from Luke chapter 2 is not just some mundane joy. This is what the Bible calls great joy, mega joy. In other words, this is the kind of joy that thrills us. This is the kind of joy that excites us. This is the kind of joy that has you living every day in anticipation. And you might be saying, well, come on, Rick, what do you, what do you mean? Where, what kind of joy can do that? What is it in the, about the Christmas story that can not only fill me with joy, but keep me living in a state of joy? What is that message? We're going to find out as we begin to unpack the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. But I need to interject a note here. There were two messages that Christmas night, and it takes both of them to fill us with joy and to keep us filled with joy. So with that in mind, let's unpack this message. I want to give you the first part. Here's the first message, so write it down as number one. Here it is. It's in your, in your outline. I'm going to push Mr. Shepherd, out of the way. Thank you, Ethan. Let's give it up for Ethan. He is such a big help. Yeah. So, point number one. At the first advent, Jesus came as your what? Came as your what, folks? Savior. Yeah, came as your Savior. Now, with that in mind, I want you to listen to the good news that came to the shepherds and to us that night. Here it is, verse 8. And there were, what's that word? Yeah, shepherds living out on the fields nearby, keep, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now stop right there for a second. Because there's something you need to know about these shepherds. And that is this. They were Israelis living in the ancient land of Israel. You might be saying, well, so what? Well, the so what is that the nation of Israel at this point in time had hit rock bottom. 
Oh yeah, the Romans had invaded Israel, they had conquered Israel, and by this time, they were, the, Rome occupied Israel not only militarily, but they occupied Israel politically. And here's what th that meant for every Israeli and for these Israeli shepherds. Here's what it meant. Number one, it meant they were overtaxed. Number two, it meant they had no political voice. Number three, it meant that they had no economic means. And number four, and maybe worst of all, it means they had lost their sense of national pride. You see, you have to understand that national pride defined the Israelis of this day. For them, their, their happiness, for them, their joy was inextricably linked to the nation of Israel. For them, it was God and country. And maybe for some, it was country and God. But when they lost their country, guess what else they lost? They lost their joy. By the way, it sounds like a lot of people I meet these days. Can I give you a principle here to remember? Joy leaks when we tie our joy to that which we can lose. Let me say that again. Joy leaks when you tie it to that which you can lose. Can I tell you something? You can lose a job. You can lose a career. You can lose finances. You can lose your health. You can even lose a country. And so when we tie our joy to things that we, that we can lose, our joy is going to always be leaking. But transverse, when you tie your joy to that which you cannot lose, your joy is sustainable and your joy can be kept. And folks, that's what the Christmas message was all about. It's about that which you cannot lose. So with that in mind, Look at verse 9. Here's the Christmas message. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause, say it again, what kind of joy? Great. Say it like you mean it, folks. Great. Yeah, great joy. That's the Christmas message to all people. And what causes great joy? Here it is. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. Everybody say Savior. Savior. Watch this. And he is the what? Messiah. The Messiah, the Lord. Everybody heads up because there's two messages there. The first message is a child has been born today, and that child is the Savior. But folks, don't stop the press because that's not the only message. There was a second message. And the second message is not only is this child who's been born today the Savior, but he's also the Messiah. Now folks, listen. What you and I desperately need is a Savior. But what our world desperately needs is the Messiah. When Jesus came at his first advent, he came as the Savior. 
That when he comes at his second advent, he will come back as the Messiah. And folks, it is the combination of both of those. That double news flash that came that night, it's the combination of that news that fills us with joy and keeps us filled with joy. So that being said, write this down as A under number one. As Savior, Jesus came to save your what? Your life. He came to save your life. Listen to verse 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy to all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born for who? To you. To you. Do you realize Christmas is all about you? You ever hear people say Jesus is the reason for the season? Jesus isn't the reason for the season. He's the object of worship of the season. But the reason for the season is you and me. We needed a Savior. And that's why he came. By the way, the word Savior means someone who saves another. And that's what Jesus does for us. He saves us. You say, well, what does he save us from? Well, the Bible makes it clear, doesn't it? John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world. There's something about God that loves you so much. And no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, he loves you personally. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, that's what he saves us from, but will have everlasting what? Life. That's what he saves us to. In other words, he saves us from eternal death in hell and saves you to eternal life in heaven. And here's what that means for you and me. Write this down as B. This is what it means for the saved. Death for the saved will be instant what? Heaven. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. In other words, no floating, no lights, no weird stuff. Death for the believer is instant heaven. By the way, that's what death is. Death is the, your, your, your spirit is absent from your body, right? Your body dies and goes back to the grave. Your spirit is then disembodied out of your body. You have no body. But here's the good news. If you're saved, God will grab your spirit and instantly transport it to heaven. And listen, here's the point. It is the assurance of that, that salvation, that gives us joy today. It is knowing when I die, instant heaven. Amen? What a joy that just sustains us with. I know I'm bound for heaven the instant I die. Now, I got to say this. For some people, the idea of having a spirit with no body is not exactly thrilling to them to be a ghost. And the idea of, of being transported to a world that is totally spiritual is not exactly thrilling to them. And one reason for that is they don't really understand the nature of heaven, how magnificent that's going to be. But on the other hand, folks, I, I sort of get it. Because there's something in us, there's something in you, there's something in me that loves this earth. We just do. It has beauty to it. Not only that, we were made from the earth, right? 
The earth was made for us. The earth was made with us in mind. And so, so, so we like the idea of having a physical body on a physical earth. We sort of push back on the idea of being disembodied and being a ghost and being transported to a place that's totally spiritual. We sort of like what we've got. But folks, here's the tension. I mean, even though we may love this world, and I don't have to tell you this, it's completely messed up. And so are we. This world is a place of sorrow and pain and suffering and disease. It is a place of wickedness and lawlessness and war and hate. It is a place where death has the final word on everybody in the room. It is a place where despair rules. But here's what, I, here's what I love. Here's what I love. This longing in you and me for a better world. This longing in, in you and me for sort of a new earth. Is where Jesus' mission as the Messiah comes into play. And so with that in mind, write this down as big number two. At the second advent, Jesus will come as the Messiah as the Messiah. Listen to verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy to all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. That's part one of the good news. But here's the second catalyst that causes great joy. He is the what? He's the Messiah. Now everybody lean in. Because as Savior, Jesus saves your life. But as Messiah, write this down as A, as Messiah, Messiah, Jesus comes back to save our world. And Lord knows, our world needs to be saved. Amen? And again, there's something in you and me that loves this world. We love it. It's beautiful in its own way. And we would love to live here forever if, if it could just be changed. But the fact is, it is cursed. It was cursed from the outset. It was cursed in the third chapter of all of the Bible. When Adam and Eve made a decision to follow Satan's lead as opposed to following God's lead. And from that moment on, it was blighted with sin and sorrow and pain and suffering and despair and depression and disease and death. And it is a struggle to live in this world. Somebody said to me last week, we were talking with a group of people, and I even said it. It's hard to live here. Someone says, hell to live here. It is very tough. But folks, check this out. Christmas is about a Savior who changes our life and a Messiah who will change our world. I love that song. He turns graves into gardens. He turns mourning into laughter and great joy. Only he can. Only he can. Listen to verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
Now, everybody put your theology caps on for a moment. Because that phrase, the Messiah, it comes from a Hebrew phrase, Hamashiach. And Hamashiach, the Messiah, literally means the anointed one. And it refers to the one who will come back to this earth and establish a kingdom on this earth where there will be peace on earth. The Messiah refers to the anointed one who will usher in the kingdom of God on this earth and he alone will rule as king of kings and lord of lords in that kingdom. That's what the Messiah does. Listen to the Christmas message to Mary, Luke chapter 1. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Yeshua means one who saves. And he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give to him the what? Come on, folks, the what? Yeah, the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Israel forever and of his kingdom. There will be no wind. You say, wait, Rick, what do you mean kingdom? What is that all about? Listen, Jesus, you, you just do a word search in your Bible. How many times Jesus referred to the kingdom? It's amazing. He talked about it incessantly as his, his vision because it's God's vision. Listen, the kingdom of God on this earth is the great goal towards which all of the plans and purposes of God reach. And Jesus, Jesus defined for us what the kingdom will be in absolute clear terms. Here's what he said. He said, when you pray, pray in this manner. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And what is the kingdom? Thy will be done on earth just like it is where? In heaven. What is the kingdom? It is a future time on this earth where God's will will be done on this earth just like it is in heaven. May it be. Amen? You say, Rick, when in the world would that happen? Well, write this down as B under number two. At his second advent, Jesus will usher in the kingdom on the earth. And Revelation chapter 9 describes that second advent explicitly. Listen to Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. You say, who is that? That's Jesus, the Messiah. Not Jesus, the Savior. Jesus coming back as the Messiah. Not the Lamb of God, but the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And the, the Bible says, this is a vision, by the way, of the Messiah coming back to the earth at his second coming. And the Bible says the heavens will open and Jesus will begin to make his descent back to the earth, and every eye on the earth will see him descending back to the planet. And what will he look like? A lot is said, but listen to the last verse, verse 16. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings 
and Lord of Lords. He returns as king to establish his kingdom on this earth. And folks, here's what you need to know about that kingdom. Write this down as little number one. The kingdom will begin with the creation of a new earth. A new earth. You see, immediately after Jesus' return in Revelation 19 and 20, here's what we read in verse 21. And I saw a new heaven. That's the Greek word uranos. It means the galactic heavens, a new universe. I saw a new universe and a new what? A new earth. For the old universe and the old earth had passed away. Listen, we're going to get a new planet. Now think about it. If you die right now, your body goes to the grave and your spirit goes to heaven, but only temporarily. Eventually, you are coming back to a new earth where you will live forever. Listen to verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with man. This is heaven come down to us. This is not us going to heaven. This is heaven coming to us. He, that is God, will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. That's the world we're headed for. Not only that, write this down as number two. In the kingdom, you'll receive a body that never dies. We can't fathom that because we're so restricted to certain laws of physics, entropy, thermodynamics, but that's all going to change. Verse 4 says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and here's what I love, death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. The former things have passed away. And then number three, there will be peace on earth forever. Listen to Luke chapter 2, what the angel says. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. Here's what I love. And on earth, what? Peace. Folks, let me ask you something. At Christ's first coming, did he bring peace to the earth? No. But at his second coming, he will bring peace to the earth. At his first coming, did he come back as king of kings and lord of lords? No. But at his second coming, he will come back as king of kings. And listen, folks, here's the point. It is the great joy of that day that brings us great joy in this day. That's why the Lord wants you to keep that in front of you at all times. He wants you to pray for that every day. Jesus said, when you pray, when you pray, here's what you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom, what? Come. Thy will will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. What is God's will for this earth? No more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more war, no more hate. Peace on earth. That great joy of that day can fill you with a great joy if you'll just get up every morning and look for that day. I started to stop right there, but I thought this week I want to add this. Write this down as big number three. The signs of Jesus' return elevate our joy even more. Now, I want you to put your thinking caps on. i got to hustle here. Just like God gave signs for the first coming of Jesus, this will be a sign to you. Just like that, he gave signs for the second coming of, of Christ. 
And folks, I got to tell you, these signs are so extensively fulfilled that I believe in my heart like never before. There are people in this room who may never have to die. You may be alive when Jesus returns, very likely. You say, what are the signs? I want to give you a few quick signs that are extensively in place. Here's a few. Number one, you can just write these down. Keep your eyes on Israel and Jerusalem. Keep your eyes on Israel and Jerusalem. You say, why? Because Israel and Jerusalem are the epicenter of the return of Christ. Everything happens there. It is Jerusalem that Jesus will land, so to speak, in his second advent. And it is from Jerusalem that he will rule the world. Jerusalem has to be in place for that to happen. But check this out. Shortly after Jesus died, Israel went out of existence as a nation. The Romans came in there and sacked the city, slaughtered 1,100,000 Jews, drove the rest of the Jews out of that land of Palestine. They went up into Europe and settled. And for 2,000 years, it was vacant. Nobody was there. It was a swamp land. It was malaria infested. But Jesus said, when you see Israel become a nation again, and when you see Jerusalem under Israeli flag, Jesus said, look up. That's a sign. Folks, in 1948, in our lifetime, Israel was reborn as a nation after 2,000 years. Nobody could believe it. And then in 1967, in the Six-Day War, maybe the shortest war ever fought as far as a, a big war, Israel recaptured Jerusalem from Jordan. And now the Israeli flag is there. And in our day, Jerusalem has become the headquarters of the United States Embassy. And folks, we may applaud that, but for the world, that's a problem. For the world, that's a big burden that they don't like. And I'm telling you, inexorably, that very thing is going to lead the world to Armageddon. Listen to what God says in Zechariah. The Bible says, God says this, And in that day, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for everybody, though all nations of the earth be gathered against it. Israel is back, but not for peace. To the contrary, she is surrounded by anti-Semitic enemies who want her dead, who want to drive her into the Mediterranean Sea. And the Bible tells us just before the second advent of Christ, the Antichrist will amass a concert of nations and, and lead them to attack Israel in concert. Israel will have its back to the Mediterranean Sea, no hope. But just as they attack Israel, the Lord will begin to make his descent. And the Israeli people will look up and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Bible says they will look on him whom they pierced. But the Antichrist at that moment will look at the Israeli people and say to his soldiers, they're not our problem. He's our problem. Let's take him on. And as Jesus descends, he obliterates him, them with the brightness of his coming. The stage is set for Armageddon. Number two, mark the nations that will attack Israel at Armageddon. They're in place. 
One of those nations the Bible refers to as Rosh in the Hebrew. That's the ancient name of Russia. It was Rosh, Rashia, Rushia, and then Russia. An army of 200 million will attack from the east. That can only be one country. Alive and well today with that many soldiers. And then the Bible says Persia. Ancient Iran and the Arab nations. They will attack. I'm telling you folks, the table is set for Armageddon to happen. One more thing to mark. Mark the movement towards globalism. Towards global socialism. Our world is infatuated with that idea. But that will be the setup where the world is a one-world government for the Antichrist to seize control of that and then seize control of the world. And he will use a technological methodology to mark every person on this earth with a number. And if you do not take that number, that number will be mandated. If you don't take that number, you will be refused money. You will be refused life, food and life, compliance will be the mode. Comply or die. Comply or die. Now, I got to say this before I close. A lot of people look at all those things and, and get fearful. They look at all those signs and say, what are we going to do? The world's, the world's, oh, the, what's the world coming to? Listen, these signs are not meant by God to make you fearful. They're actually meant to make you joyful. You're, so you should be looking at these things and saying, come on, Lord. Bring it on. Whatever has to happen to get a brand new world. Listen, you may not have to die. You may not have to get diseased and sick and die in a hospital. You may be one of those rare people. When people in heaven say, or people in the eternal state say, now when did you die? Oh, I didn't. Oh, wow. What was that like? Oh, you should have been there when he made his descent. These are the signs. Listen. They're the footsteps of our Father. They're the the, the shadows being cast before His coming. We should be filled with joy as we see these things, not fear. I want to close with this. I remember one time when Rebecca, Bobby's wife, when she was a little girl about eight years old, I I came in the back door. I'd been on a trip. And um, I came in the back door, and she was playing with some baby dolls right in the middle of the living room. I walked in and shut the back door, and it slammed. She was so engrossed in these baby dolls, she didn't even look up. And so I thought to myself, I'm going to sneak up and scare her. Yeah. And so I I, I ducked over and I got behind the couch, you know, and I'm watching her. She's playing away with those Barbie dolls, baby dolls, combing their hair. And then I walked over and I got behind the couch and I'm watching. And then I started creeping up on her. And I'm just about to scare her, to startle her. And just as I get like this, she goes, Dad, I know you're back there. And I'll be like, like this. Rebecca, how did you know it was back here? She said, Dad, I see your shadow coming up behind me. Listen, that's what all of these signs are, right? They're the shadow of our Father. And He's coming back to bring us together and to take us into a whole new world where there'll be no more sorrow, more death, no more pandemic. Amen. No more disease. No more politics. There'll be one benevolent leader, King Jesus. 
And that place is for those who are saved. Amen. That's, that's the kind of joy that'll fill you up. And tomorrow when you first start facing that bad news, you just say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Come on, Lord Jesus. Oh, I see all those bad stuff. Listen, the worse it gets, the better it gets. Jesus said it's going to wax worse and worse before he comes. The worse it gets, you can say, bravo, come on. Let it come. Because I know at the end of it, he's coming back. He's coming back. But listen, it's only for the saved. It's only for those who are saved. You see, Jesus wants, Jesus is Messiah, wants to take you into that world, but he first has to be your savior. He has to save you from your sins. And if you're here today and you've never trusted him as savior, he wants to, he wants to save you. He wants to make you his son. He wants to make you his daughter. You say, well, Rick, what, what do I do to be saved? How do I do that? Well, the Bible makes it clear. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that great news? What do you have to be sa- do to be saved? You don't have to join a church. You don't have to sign anything. You don't have to get sprinkled or confirmed, any of that. It's personal. It's not religious. Jesus says, if you'll just ask him, he'll give you eternal life. Why don't you do that today right where you're seated? Let's all bow our heads for prayer. Listen, if you're here today and you want to trust Christ as Savior, let me lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in in the prayer to the Savior. And you pray this prayer, and you're just going to ask him to save you. But I want to lead you in that prayer. You can pray it by yourself, but I want to lead you. So you pray this prayer silently there in your heart. The Lord is listening with all of his heart. He loves you so much. Pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to be my Savior. To save me from my sins and to give me eternal life. Lord, right now, I confess my sins and I ask you to forgive them. Forgive all of my past sins. Forgive my present sins. Forgive even my future sins. Wash them away in the blood of Christ. And I ask you to give me everlasting life. Lord, thank you for loving me Thank you for Christmas. Thank you that you came, that you died to give me everlasting life. Lord, from this day forward, may I spend the rest of my life following you, loving you, and being loved by you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.